Welcome to City Reach Cumberland's weekly podcast. We hope this message blesses you. For more information about us, you can check us out on the web at cityreachcumberland.com. Thank you, worship team. Hey, Merry Christmas! That was pathetic. <laughs> Curtis said, tell it like it is. All right, that was pathetic. <laughs> I want to talk to you today about the good news of Christmas. We're going to look at the story. You know, I just want today to be really just kind of like we're, we're in my family room and just kind of hanging out. We're just have a little conversation about Jesus today and, and celebrate him. I don't intend on getting real, real preachy today. Uh, if I do, I apologize in advance, but I just want to talk to you about Jesus. I'll talk to you about his birth. Talk to you about the good news of Christmas. The good news the angel delivered to the shepherds is really the story we're going to look at. So, I want to open with Luke chapter 2, verse 10 from the Passion Translation. Let me read it to you. It's on the first slide. It says, I've come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard, and it is for everyone, everywhere. See, sometimes good news is subjective, right? What's good news today is not good news tomorrow. Did you ever get some good news? And it's great for the moment? How about your boss calls you and he says, Hey, I got some good news. You're going to get a... Why didn't anybody say demotion? <laughs> no, you're going to get a raise. How many get... Would getting a raise be good news? Yes. It's only good, though, till inflation catches up with the raise. Or you got to go to the gas pump. Almost touched $100 last night. So sometimes good news is good for a while, and then after a while it just becomes not that great a news. Or what about, hey, we've got some good news to share with you. We're going to have a baby. But 13 years later, that's not that great news. Because babies become teenagers. And all of a sudden you're like, what happened to the good news? I remember the day I was going to be a father. And then I remember the day I became a dad of a teenager. And I'm glad I'm a dad of an empty house now. <laughs> yeah, it's great news. It's great news today. You know, I, I see Drew. You know, I'm so glad to have Drew back. You know, Drew, you, Drew faithfully came here before COVID. Now he's been back three weeks in a row. Drew, I'm glad to have you here. <laughs> Look at this. I asked Drew this morning. Now, Drew, I, I think Drew probably got a new, new jacket and a new hat for Christmas. Right? Can I just say the Steelers beat the Ravens this year? That's, that's some good news. Hey. <laughs> so I asked Drew, I said, what, what's the odds the Steelers will win the Super Bowl? He said, about three out of ten. I said, that's probably some good odds for them. But what if I said, hey, the Steelers are going to win by some miracle? Right? But that's only good news till the next season starts. Right? So sometimes good news has an expiration date. The good news about Jesus 
is good news that never stops being good news. It was good 2,000 years ago when he was born. It was good 1,100 years ago, 100 years ago, and it's good news today, and it'll be good news forever. So what happens, though, a lot of times as believers, if you remember, if, if you've been saved a while, do you remember when you first got saved? It was great news. It was so good, you couldn't believe it. Like, how can it be that me, a sinner, that Jesus would come and die for me? I can't believe it. It's, it's, it's almost not believable. And you're telling me all I have to do is believe? That's awesome. But then after time goes by, it just becomes old news. Eh, I'm saved. So I bet you... If your long-lost aunt, your great-aunt, died and left you $100 million in her will, you didn't know she even existed, but they read the will and they read your name and said, you're going to now receive a trust fund for $100 million. That'd be pretty good news, wouldn't it? You probably would continue to tell that story the rest of your life. And you'd probably get pretty excited about it. But somehow the news about Jesus just kind of loses its flair after a while. And it shouldn't. Because it's the best news you'll ever hear. The angel says, I'm going to bring you good news of great joy should be to, that will be to all people everywhere. See, the thing about this word joy, it, it, if you look up this word in the Greek, it doesn't just mean the fruit of being joyful. It actually means the source of joy. That this news is so good this news transcends your situation. It transcends your, your, wherever you live, your, your location. It transcends all that. It says that it's good news to all people everywhere for all time. And it just doesn't make you happy when you hear it. It actually becomes the source of your joy that no matter what happens in life, no matter if your situation's good or bad, it's still good news and it still brings great joy. And so that's that good news today that I really want to just talk to you about. I want to talk to you about the verse that follows this. And I just want to describe three uh, names that are ascribed to Jesus. And that's the name Savior, Christ. Let me get me. Uh, probably help if I would uh, get to the passage. Turn to Luke chapter 2. Would it be okay if I read the Christmas story today? I think it's Christmas. We should read the Christmas story. So the angel says, I'm going to bring you good news of great joy to be to all people everywhere. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So I want to talk to you about those three things today. Just give you a little explanation of, of what Savior is, what Christ is, and what the Lord is. So let's just read this if you would. Luke chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 20. It'll be just kind of like we're sitting around a Christmas tree, Christmas morning. Uh, my wife and I actually laid in bed and read the Christmas story yesterday. It was the first Christmas ever. It's actually pretty cool. We did Christmas on, or presents on Christmas Eve, and then we just laid in bed and drank coffee on Christmas morning. That's the, that's the pleasure of being empty nesters. All right, Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass... In those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. 
This census took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and, of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Now if you were here last week, remember we talked about the four different times the angel showed up and said, do not fear. So this is kind of like where we left off last week. This was the fourth one. He says, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. All those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Father, we just ask in the next few minutes that you would just give us additional revelation about Jesus. I, I know that it would take eternity to even scratch the surface, but just let us, let us appreciate, let us love, let us understand you just a little bit more than we did when we came in here. Father, I pray for the one that's here today, or two or three that don't know you as their Savior, that today they'd make a decision to confess you as Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to just give you the, uh, the three words, the definition, and we're just going to look at a few scriptures that surround each of these and hopefully learn a few things from it. So let's go to the next slide. So today, in the city of David, there is born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Okay, number one, Jesus the Savior. Let's go to the next slide. So the word Savior comes from the Greek word soter. And I think I mentioned this last week when, when we talked about, we said the gospel is for me. The good news of Jesus is for me. So this word soter, it, it's a, it comes from the word sozo, which means to save. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But... The word soter means deliverer or preserver. So when you hear the word savior, I want you to think deliverer. Maybe it's an easier thing to remember. And in order to be delivered, you have to be stuck, right? I, and and that's, I think that's the problem with a lot of people today. When you talk to them about the good news, you talk to them about Jesus, what do they say? Nah, I'm, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm, I'm all good. You got your Jesus. I got my way. I'm good. But sometimes you have to know the bad news in order to appreciate the good news. Sometimes you don't realize that you're stuck. Sometimes you don't realize that, that 
you're in the midst of a mess, you think life is great. I've got, uh, I've got a good wife, I've got a couple kids, for the most, for the most part, they're respectful. Um, you know, I've got a job, I can pay my bills, I've got a little left over, da-da-da-da-da, I'm good. I don't need a savior. If you look at the New Living Translation word study, it says a person who delivers or rescues another from a dangerous circumstance. I'm not living in danger. I'm not on the street anymore. I'm not being hunted down. I don't have to worry about somebody sneaking up with a gun and putting a gun on my back. I don't need rescued. Well, if you don't need know Jesus, you need rescued. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I don't care how good your life is. I don't care how peaceful it seems. You need a Savior. Here's why. It says in Matthew, if you look at the, the story of, uh, in Matthew verse chapter 1, verse 21, it says, he, She shall bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will do what? Save his people from their sin. So you could be having the greatest life, and you could be living the greatest life, the best life, accomplishing everything that you ever wanted to in life. But if you don't take care of the sin issue, it's pointless. Jesus said this one time, he says, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? That you could accumulate everything in life, you could get everything just right, you could hit every target that you ever tried to, but at the end of the day, what good is that if you don't spend eternity with Jesus? It says that you'll call his name Jesus. Near the, word, the name Jesus, if you, if you look back, there was a guy named Josephus, and Josephus was a, a, a Roman Jewish historian in the first century, and he wrote a lot of things outside of the Bible, historical things. And he actually wrote about, I think, around 12 different Jesuses at the time. It was a common name. It was an ordinary name. But this Jesus was no ordinary Jesus. This Jesus was different than any other Jesus because this Jesus came for one reason. Well, he came for a couple reasons, but one big reason was he came to save you from your sin. So you might say, well, why do I need saved from my sin? Why do I need somebody to rescue me? Why do I need to be delivered from my sin? Well, first you need to know, you might think, well, I'm a good person. Any good people here today? No. No good. Ain't no, ain't no good people at City Reach. Yeah. Look, you're all good. You're all good. You're all good once Jesus makes you good. Before Jesus, you're no good. See, the Bible says this in Romans chapter 3, verse 10. He says, there's none righteous, no, not one. That there's none righteous. It says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Some people use this as an excuse to sin. Well, you know what the Bible says, all have sinned. And there, I'm all, so I'm going to sin. But here's the thing. God doesn't look at sin in categories. You might think your sin isn't that bad. That's like saying my, my poop smells not as bad as your poop. Right? At the end of the day, it all stinks. It's the same way with sin. I had somebody stop me after church last Sunday. He said, Pastor, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, yeah. Ask me a question no one had ever asked me before. He said, he said can God forgive somebody that murders someone? Of course, you can imagine the thoughts that are going through my mind. 
think you're thinking about murdering me. Did you? But I know where I'm going. If that happens, you know, I'm good to go. And I asked this person if I could share this. I said, you know, it doesn't matter if you've committed murder, if you've committed rape, or you've only ever told one little fib in your whole life. The littlest sin you could ever commit will keep you from heaven. It doesn't matter if you just told one little white lie, because the reason is God's standard is perfection. It says we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus was the glory of God manifested. And when Jesus is the standard, the standard is perfect. And who wants to be the best sinner that goes to hell? See, so it doesn't matter if you just committed one or two or three or just a few or just a couple little ones. All sin is an affront to God. All sin separates you from God. And all sin requires a payment. That's why Paul said this in Romans 6.23. says, the wages of sin is death. That here's the bad news. The bad news is that you were born in sin. See, that's the thing a lot of people don't realize is you were infected with sin when you were born. That Adam sinned 6,000 years ago, and every person born after that humanly was infected with sin. It says, by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin. Death passed upon all men, and because of that all have sinned. And so because you were born infected, you sin, and because you sin, you're separated from God. And because you sin, there's a penalty to pay. But the good news, the good news is Jesus came to save you from your sin. See, he came because you were on a road to hell. You didn't pick it. You didn't choose it. You were on there because you were born. You didn't do anything to deserve it. But the great news about grace is you don't do anything to deserve it either. That Jesus came, Jesus died, and Jesus paid for your sin. And all you do is receive it. Next slide. So I want you to know today that, that first, that Jesus came as a baby, as your Savior. Because you can't do it on your own. You can try, but every time you try, you're going to fail. And the only way that you can make things right with God is to put your faith in what Jesus did on your behalf. See, I would say that if my sin had the penalty of me having to die, that's a pretty definite bad circumstance that I need rescued out of. And the great thing about God, it says that, now, now God, God lives outside of time. God exists outside of time. But it says that Jesus was the Lamb of God slain before the foundations of the earth. That God knew before he even created the earth, before he created Adam, that there would be a fall and there would need to be uh, uh, bloodshed in order to redeem you back. And it's just an amazing way our God works, that he knew what we would do before we did it, and he loved us anyway. So don't ever think, you know, then the next question a lot of people say, well, what if I sin after I get saved? What if I mess up? 
God knew it ahead of time. It never changed his mind. He never, never thought any differently of you. He loved you when you were in your mess. And he died for you even before you even got in that mess. And that's good news. Jesus is the Christ, Christos, which can mean two things. It can mean Messiah or it can mean anointed one. I really want to talk about the anointed one or the Messiah portion today. So if you look in the Old Testament, there's what's called messianic prophecies. Anybody ever hear that term before? So messianic prophecies are prophecies in the Old Testament that, that talk about the coming Messiah. Now when we talk about the Christmas and Christmas time, we think of two very prominent ones. One in Micah 5, 2, that he would be born where? In Bethlehem. Uh, and another one, Isaiah 7, 14, that he would be born of a virgin. So those are two that really you know, resonate with Christmas. But in the entire Old Testament, do you know there was over 400 prophecies about the Messiah? 400. And we think of Isaiah 7, 14. We're going to read this in a minute. But that wasn't the first time this was spoken. Actually, God spoke this. Or actually, we'll say he hinted at it back in Genesis 3.15. You remember when, when God cursed the serpent after Adam sinned? He says to the serpent, he says, I will put enmity or hostility between you and the woman and between your seed, speaking to the devil, and her seed. He says, and you'll bruise his heel and he'll crush your head. How many know that women don't have seed? Like if you ever went to biology class, right? I was the kid that always laughed through biology. I could never keep a straight face talk about things, but no, women don't have seeds. So when God said that, that the, the seed of a woman will crush your head, Satan, he's prophesying about a virgin birth. And so Isaiah, some 700 years before Jesus is born, says this in Isaiah 7.14, he says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. We know in Matthew it says this, that Emmanuel means what? God with us. See, Emmanuel is a big deal. The prophecy of Emmanuel is a big deal. Because what happened? Remember I said that if you were born a human, what are you infected with? Sin. And what does God require? Perfection. So if, if the Savior, if the Messiah was to be born of a woman, what would he be infected with if he was born naturally? Sin. So the only way that God could get a man into the world was to impregnate a woman supernaturally through the Holy Spirit. It's one of the greatest miracles of all time. John says it like this. He says, the word became, or in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. And then in verse 14 he says, and the word became what? Flesh and dwelt among us. So the Word was God, and the Word dwelt among us. That's Emmanuel. So in order for us to have a Savior, in order for us to have a Messiah, this Messiah had to be two things. He had to be God, because if he wasn't God, he would have sin. And he had to be a man, because if he wasn't a man, guess what God can't do? God can't die. So he's got to be both. So he's got to be God so he can 
so he can be perfect, but he's got to be a man so he can go to the cross and die. Because if he came as one or the other, it wouldn't work. So next slide. Uh, we read that. One more. Hebrews sums it up like this. It says, because God's children are human beings and made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. See, not only does, does the Savior rescue you from the penalty of sin, Christ the Messiah destroys that power of sin in your life. See, Paul says this. He says, sin will no longer have dominion over you. That I know you might, if you've accepted Jesus, you might seem like you're stuck now, but that's a lie. Because the Bible says sin will not have dominion over you. That means it will not rule over you. You rule over it. And that's what Jesus came to do. See, when I think about the, the, all these prophecies, think about this. I said there was over 400, right? Jesus fulfilled at least 300 of these just during his ministry. So his three years that he was doing ministry. But back in the 60s, there was a guy named Peter Stoner. And I love, I love refreshing my memory with this because it, it, just, it just makes me think of how, how awesome God is. This is better odds than the Steelers winning the Super Bowl, let me tell you this. So back in the 60s, this professor named Peter Stoner, he has 600 students, and he wants to figure out what are the odds. Now remember, there's over how many prophecies of the Messiah? Over 400. He said, what are the odds that just eight, eight of the over 400 prophecies could be fulfilled by just one man? They did all the mathematic calculation. They worked all the numbers. And the odds that one person could fulfill just eight out of over 400 prophecies that were written thousands of years before the 33 years that they were on the earth was one in 100 quadrillion. Now, if you don't know how much a quadrillion is, because I don't know, it's this. One in 100 quadrillion is one in one with 17 zeros. All right, so you do a one, and then you put 17 zeros after it, and that's the odds that just eight out of over 400 could be fulfilled by one man. Well, then a few years later, anybody ever hear of Lee Strobel? So Lee Strobel was a former atheist. He wrote a, a book called Case for Christ. He's written a lot of books. But back in the early 90s, he took this, this mathematical uh, probability that, that uh, Peter Stoner did, and he said, I kind of want to put this in something that people could get their head wrapped around. And so he started doing the math, and, and here's how Lee Strobel describes the exact same probability. He said the probability that one man in their one life could fulfill eight prophecies out of over 400 would be like taking a one and a half inch tile, right? So let's just take you take a one and a half inch square tile and they're all white. And you cover the entire world, everywhere that there's land in the world, you cover the entire landmass of the world with a one and a half inch square tile. And one tile in the entire world is red. And you have your entire lifetime to walk the entire world and pick up one tile. And the probability that you would pick up that one tile is one 
out of 100 quadrillion. I mean, it'd be hard enough if I laid the tiles on the floor here and I said, hey, pick one. But we're talking about the entire world. And you picking the right one in your entire life, one try. And that's just eight. See, when God puts something in motion, God fulfills it. And I don't care how impossible it seems. Think about even Mary and Joseph, and they're wondering, why are we being taxed now? Why are we being sent to, to Bethlehem now? Why does Caesar Augustus have to take a census and, and collect more tax? Why, why, why? And even God miraculously works through an unsaved person to get Joseph and Mary in the right place so that the prophecy of Micah 5.2 could come to pass. And sometimes you think, I don't know why I'm where I'm at. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I've got to go here. I don't know why I've got to work with this idiot, why I've got to work for this idiot, well, whatever it is. The God of the one in 100 quadrillion is working for you. And when you don't understand it, he's working things out. Jesus is Savior. Jesus is the Messiah. And finally, Jesus is Lord. Let me just read this to you. If Jesus wasn't God, he would be infected with sin and couldn't be the perfect sacrifice. If Jesus wasn't man, he couldn't die. And if he didn't die, then our sins are not paid for. Curios, Lord. So here's what Lord means. You know, a lot of times we hear the word Lord, you know, hell, he's Lord of Lords. What, what does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus is Lord? Well, the word Lord means it's the person, it's he to whom a person belongs, the one who has the power of deciding, the possessor of a thing, the owner or the master. I want you to think of this, Owner. How does somebody become the owner of something? Right? You come buy a car, guess what? The bank owns it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you own it. When you purchase something, it becomes yours. So I realize this is semantics, but sometimes people will say, hey, do you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life? You don't make Jesus Lord. He is Lord. It's like people, and I'm not making a political statement here, but so when President Trump was president, he's not my president. Or now that Biden's president, you got other people wearing, he's not my. Yes, he is. I don't, you could wear that shirt all day long. He's still your president. If you live in America, Biden's your president. If you lived in America two years ago, Trump was your president. I don't care what your shirt says. So you might wear a shirt that says, not my Lord, but he's Lord. So you don't make him what he already is. The reason he is Lord, whether you believe it or accept it or, or agree with it, is because he bought you. Peter says this in 1 Peter 1.18, he says, Knowing this, that you were not redeemed, you were not purchased with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious 
blood of Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God, that He bought you with the most expensive, valuable blood that could ever, ever be sacrificed His own. And He didn't just buy you when you got saved. He paid for it before you were ever born. And so by the fact that He's already paid for you, He is Lord. Now the difference is, is whether you confess it or not. That's why Paul says this in Romans chapter 10. He says, if you will, let's go to the next slide. If you will do what? Confess. It doesn't say if you'll make him Lord. It says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? Saved. So the word confess, confess just means to agree with. That's all the word confess means. It means to agree with, or it means to say the same thing. So when I confess that Jesus is Lord, I'm agreeing with the fact that he is Lord. So is he Lord? Yes. If I confess with him as Lord, I'm just agreeing with it. And that's all you have to do. You don't have to be good, but once he makes you good, you'll be good. You'll start doing right things. But see, you just all you have to do is you have to confess. It says, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, you will be saved. I can't confess for you. The priest can't confess for you. Your mom can't confess for you. See, you have to confess. You have to, you have to mentally confess in your heart, confess that Jesus is Lord. Jesus, I know that I sin. Jesus, I know that my sin condemns me to death. I know that you fulfilled all those prophecies and you came to earth and you lived as a man so that you could one day die for me as a man. And you're Lord because you paid for me. And I believe that. See, the resurrection is important, too. It says if you believe in your heart that, that God raised him from the dead. You know why? Ask somebody this the other night. One of our men just gave his life to the Lord. December 22nd, 6.20 p.m. I reinforced that date and time about 27 times, didn't I? Never forget that. If somebody goes to prison for you, how do you know when the sentence has been paid? When you see him walking free. And when Jesus died and went to hell and paid for that, and God brought him back from the dead, he said, I accepted that payment. And the fact that Jesus has risen means God was accepting of that payment for you. So you might say, well, I don't, I don't want to confess that. That's okay. Remember that one commercial on TV, pay me now or pay me later? You can pay me now or you can pay me later, except in this is you can confess me now or you will confess later. So it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. I'm going to read to you this from Philippians 2 and then we'll close. We're going to take communion. It says, who... Speaking of Jesus, who as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, 
but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being born in the likeness of man. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. Next slide. For this reason, also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Have the worship team back up here. We're going we're gonna to sing Jesus, we love you. We're going to take communion. I can't explain to you how good how good a news this is. I was a dirtbag. I was mean. Rough around the edges. Got anybody's rough around the edges in here? You know, Jesus smoothed those edges off. I still got a few bumps, but he's still working on me. there's no better confession you could make today than confessing Jesus as your Savior for the first time. We're going to take communion in a minute. In communion, there's only one requirement to take communion, and that's that you accepted Jesus as your Savior. We do this as believers. It's called Believer's Communion. I just want to ask you to bow your head for a minute. I'm going to ask if anybody wants to accept and confess Jesus as Lord today. So I've shared with you today some good news. The good news is Jesus came as a man, lived as a man so that he could die for you and pay your penalty. And then by the Spirit of God, God brought him back from the dead. And your debt has been paid. He's paid for every sin. He's paid for for every wrong thing you've ever done. But you've got to confess Him as Lord. You have to receive Him for yourself. And I've prayed for those people that are here today. I've asked the Holy Spirit to start just working on you, that you would not be comfortable unless you make Jesus the Lord of your life confess him as Lord. So I just want to ask, is there anybody here that doesn't know Jesus, that they want to make today the day that they say, yes, Jesus, I confess you as Lord of my life. I want to know that my sins are forgiven. I want to have a relationship. I want to have eternal life with you. Anybody today? I just want you to just just slip your hand up to me. We're not going to take too long. Flip your hand up if that's you. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? No one looking around. I see that hand. Thank you. All right, if that was you, you don't have to stand up. You don't have to pray out loud. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer of confession. And if you pray this and you really mean business with God, 
the good news is you're going to be a new person in Christ. So I want you to pray this if that's you. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for sending Jesus for me. I thank you that Jesus paid for my sin. And I thank you that he rose again from the dead. And I confess Jesus as Lord of my life today. And I acknowledge him as my Savior. And based on your word, I'm a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that today, I want you to connect with one of our, our team in the back. We have a Bible for you. We'll get you started off reading the Bible. Introduce you to a few people. Get you plugged in here. But it's the start of a, of a new day. It's a great thing.